Whether you have a diagnosis or not, I don't care. I'll teach you how to find what's causing your health concerns using the labs you already have. Your doctor might tell you your blood work is normal, but I'm here to teach you a better way. If you're a doctor or a health coach and anything in between, there's one for you too. Go grab your free blood work and supplement cheat guide so you can learn how to read your labs yourself. Plus, come join me for the free three-day live what your normal labs really tell you challenge every fourth week of the month with the last one in May. Download your cheat guides and register here at drkylieburton.com. This podcast is sponsored by Systemic Formulas and Nutribiome. Systemic Formulas, the supplement company I trust with my patients and family. In fact, when I discovered Systemic Formulas, not only did my patients get faster results, but it made my life easier too. Instead of ordering from a handful of companies, I use 95% SF products. They're top of the line quality with the best lab west of the Mississippi. They're pure, potent, and they get results. In fact, I recommend you follow their Instagram at Systemic Formulas Institute. Jump inside their Facebook group and put my name into the search bar. You'll discover multiple videos of me teaching you labs, products, and even business tools. Everybody can join the Instagram, but practitioners, the Facebook group is just for you. Also, the man who's behind the Systemic Formulas products, Dr. Shane Morris, is launching a new line of supplements designed to take your microbiome to the next level. And it's not just probiotics. He has specific prebiotics designed to feed the probiotics. Oh, and anybody can order them too. Learn more and order soon at mybiome.com. M-Y-B-Y-O-M-E.com. And last but not least, are you a practitioner looking to improve your online presence, but it's overwhelming thinking about building a website, connecting it to a funnel, and then having it all actually make money? Let Tara help you take your dream and make it a reality. She's been the driving force behind my entire website and mastermind, my entire online business. Tara can help you build yours too. She's got brand new packages designed to help you grow your business and future-proof it. With over 20 years of experience in the online business consulting and website mastery world, she's your girl. Go check her out at terraconsultinginc.com. That's T-E-R-R-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G-I-N-C.com. All right, let's jump into the episode. Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast with me, your host, Dr. Kylie. I have another female doctor on tour with us today. Her name is Dr. Sarah. She calls herself the brain gal, a parent hacker, and most importantly, she is a genius with kids and their brain. <laughs> Welcome on, Sarah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I love that intro. <laughs> yeah. So Sarah, just so you guys know here, Dr. Sarah, she has a book called Raising Brains. And all of us mamas need to go get it, whether it's raising our own brain or if it's raising our kids' brains. I know my four-year-old, he does not forget a thing. Don't tell him something because he won't forget it. That's funny. And I attribute that to my 
Go ahead. I like, I like to use that to my advantage because I'm all, when my kids were younger too, they, I feel like they don't have a lot in their brains that they have to think about, right? You're doing everything for them at that age. So I used to tell my kids things so they could remind me later because my memory was so bad. <laughs> That's fun. Now, how old are your kids? I have a 10 year old and 11 year old boy. Oh, you went, you went like back to back. Yeah. 18 months apart. Mm-hmm. Oh, geez. Yeah. I had a lot of trouble um, having kids when I went to have kids. I was pregnant with my first son and I went into labor right around 24 weeks and he only lived about an hour. And oh, then I got geez. With twins really soon after that. And they each were born a few days apart and they only lived um, about an hour as well. So when I had my daughter, I was like, let's just keep going. Let's do this fast and get this over with so that we can be all done this process. Oh my gosh. That, I can't even imagine how traumatic that would have been, especially because I my let's talk about this for a minute because I've got a cousin who just lost her twins. Yeah. She went into her pregnant what ultrasound I guess. Mm-hmm. She went into her appointment at, I think 17 weeks and there were no heartbeats. Oh, that's so tough. So and she's having a very difficult time with it. This was about a month ago. Not to make things worse, but her sister-in-law just had her twins and her mm-hmm. other sister-in-law just had her little girl. So that's a difficult scenario. I myself, I experienced one at 20 weeks. My second pregnancy, actually, she, we went into the, actually, we didn't even go in. It was the next day. I woke up, my water had broke, rushed to the ER, and I have a stillborn. I can't imagine what it would be like having them be alive for just a short time and then gone. You know, it's, it's uh, different, you know, for, especially I hadn't had my own kids to begin with. So my first loss, uh, it kind of came out nowhere as shocking and more like you just didn't understand it. You know, I was young, you know, in my early twenties, didn't know really what was happening or that that was a thing that people lost kids like that. Yeah. Um, Same with me. It's like, you never, you never expect it to happen to you. Nobody ever talks about it. No, At least no our, our parents in that generation. I mean, now that I had that, I'm like, oh, my aunt lost one. Oh, you lost one. I'm like, mm-hmm. why don't you guys talk about these things? Because yeah, I mean, it's more common than we think. Yeah. And that happened to me too. People come out of the woodwork and say that that happened to them. And I go back and forth about this because on some level, it doesn't help to know <laughs> that it happened. So you kind of want that happy ignorance of in, in new moms, you know, but I think afterwards, it's really helpful to have kind of a community. You don't really want to be in the club, but you kind of want a club at the same time. And, you know, I think it's really tough. And then you add the complications, you know, I had a really good friend that I worked with um, in one of the hospitals that I worked in and she lost um, her child right around the same time. And because of the timing to that, it being around 20 weeks, she had so much trouble finding a doctor who would even help her. She knew the baby wouldn't survive. Uh, and yet nobody would help her because of the abortion issues, you know, the laws and things, and it was going to be detrimental to her. And clearly the child wasn't going to live. So you know, there's so many complications that people just don't talk about when it comes to pregnancy. And, you know, it's part of my journey now. And I think that's why my kids were so close together because of like, this worked, we're going to do this again. And then we're, I think we're good to go for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mine was, I got pregnant with a five month old baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I'm one of those. If you look at me, my husband looks at me wrong. I'm pregnant. And it was like, never had even crossed my mind that this wasn't going to be a happy, healthy baby that I was going to raise forever. So it just put it into new perspectives, especially because as a practitioner, when 
patients and people from the community would come in and say, well, I had a miscarriage at six weeks, you know, me being me and not understanding at that point in my life, it's like, oh, just, it'll be okay. The next one, just, just sleep a little more. Right. Mm-hmm. When I think a little the, bit longer, just mm-hmm. yeah, and do it again and it'll, it'll work out the next time or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the biggest flips for me was now one, I understand. And two, it's not our fault. Right. I know my cousin is really struggling with this and she's like, I want to know what went wrong. Mm-hmm. And in so many scenarios, we don't know what went wrong and science can't explain everything. Yeah. And you know, the first time when I lost my first son, Jake, I went through everything. I went all totally into the science, got a whole list together, went in and asked all my questions and all of those things and thought I was very well prepared for the next time. And then I just got pregnant with twins randomly. And so when I'm pregnant with twins, I knew that was a preterm labor risk anyway. And I still had my questions and everything. And when it happened to me again, and I don't know if this would be helpful for her, but it's kind of like you do everything you can, then you kind of have to give it up to the universe. There are things that we can explain and there's almost a freeing quality to it, not being up to you. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't will all of these things to happen. And so there's a little less pressure on you at times to just say, okay, well, I'm going to do what I can, but then I don't get to make this decision. So I can't not work out and therefore save a child. I can't wear a particular bracelet, you know, wear a good luck charm and their things will be okay. Or say something three times in the morning and then make sure this pregnancy will work out. You, it doesn't matter what you do. You know, it's, there's a little bit of freedom in that for me. And that's kind of where I ended up after my third son, you know, losing my third son, because it's the only little place that I could, you know, and I think for your cousin too, it's really hard when other people live that dream that you thought you were going to, right? And it's okay to be upset with them. It's okay to have feelings around that. And you can still feel happy for someone else and really sad for yourself at the same time. And people need to know that that's okay. You know, you're not supposed to have one feeling about these things. I remember I went to a, a baby reveal, you know, that was becoming, that became really big after I had my kids and I'd had my, you know, both my kids for a while and it was a good friend. So my parents were there and they take the big balloon and there's all this hype and they pop it and all this blue comes out and I lost it. <laughs> and I just sobbing, had to leave the room. And I just said to my dad, bring the kids to the car. Like I just, and, and that was years after my losses, you know, it's just, it just hits you sometimes. And it's okay to have those kinds of emotions. Like I said, you can still be, you know, happy for them, but still a little sad for yourself and maybe even a little resentful. You're, you thought your life was going to go in this direction and now it's taken this huge turn and it's uprooting and you don't have control and you don't know what to do next. It can be tough. Yeah. That's a lot where gratitude comes into play because now, I mean, you look at your two kids and it's like, you're, you guys are my world. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful that you, I have them. I, for me, we were talking about business before we jumped on this call and I've had some crazy opportunities come my way the last 12 months. And my TikTok is blowing up right now and it's blowing my mind, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, preparing me for the next 2022. But we, we work so hard to help people out that It's so easy for us to just keep pushing to the next level. And especially as practitioners and and entrepreneurs, where we don't ever look at where we are now and say, oh, I'm living last year's dream. Now my dreams have changed though. And I'm going to keep pushing towards new dreams, but we never look back and we never give ourselves credit for how far we've come. Yeah. And I think, you know, especially you said gratitude too. And I think that is really hard as, as a 
practitioners and helping profession and then being entrepreneurs. That is, I think you're right about all of that. It's very difficult to balance all of that. But I think when you've had things happen in your life and you've experienced some of these things, and now you are feeling gratitude for what you have personally, it's a good guide for when you apply that professionally, you know, as, as a person who's had a private practice for years and then is now shifting into doing, offering a little bit more, offering things in a different way and putting myself out there to a broader community, you know, that's the thing that I have finally figured out over the course of a year or two that you have to keep in mind when you're trying to grow your business and still feel good and still make sure that you're grounded and fueled. Yeah. I like we, we transitioned here really smoothly on accident, to be honest, but we transitioned. So awesome. Um, we, you and I are a part of a mastermind mm-hmm. and inside that mastermind, we talk a lot about gratitude yeah. and inside our group calls every single time somebody wants to start, we have to start off with what we're grateful for. Mm-hmm. So whoever's listening today, I want you to pull out your phone and I want you to write down five things that you're grateful for. And I want you to think about these things. Don't just say, oh, my kids and my house and my car, but think about it. Like I'm grateful for my kids. Why? You know, I have a little 18 month old girl now. She's got the exact red hair I have and I love it. She's like my mini me, right? But she, like every time I put her to bed, the last week, few weeks or so, I mean, she is what I wanted. And Easton, who's four and a half, one day he will sleep. But until then, he's still what I wanted. And so it's just, <laughs> it's just being grateful for, you know what? I am living my dream. The dream myself at 15 was. Now I'm 32. I got some more dreams I got to fulfill. Mm-hmm. And they're all going to come to pass next week, next year. <laughs> and then I'll create new dreams. And Dr. Sarah, you're the same way. You just had a brick and mortar practice, mm-hmm. COVID, as it did what it did. And now we're having to figure out how to help people in other ways. So walk us through that transition for you. Yeah. And I want to add something to what you said about the gratitude list, because sometimes it's tough when you're trying to figure out how to go next. And this was part of my transition of brick and mortar to kind of figuring out how to expand with my book and going online and things. But we also in in the mastermind say, I get to. You know, so when you can't quite figure out what you're so grateful for, I always fall back on like, I get to extend my practice. I get to be in a mastermind. And that kind of helps me find my gratitude sometimes when it feels like, oh my God, I've been pushing and things just aren't working where I want them to go. Um, But yeah, you mentioned my transition. That's kind of how it happened is I do a lot of work in schools and program design and development for kids and helping figure out what their brain patterns are and how they learn best and shifting those environments. And when the pandemic hit, all of that shut down. And so financially that was okay for me. My practice had done well, but my mind always moves and I'm always want to be stimulated. And what was happening was that we were just standing still for a little while. And through that process of standing still, a lot of what I talked about um, with losing those kids, you know, when I lost my first, I was back to work two weeks later. And, and, you know, it is a very public thing too. That was something else I had to learn. You know, I wasn't a public person at that time. So you're really vulnerable, right? A little kid had just put his hand on my belly and said, Oh, is there a baby in there? I was running a group. And, and then the next day I was in the hospital. So, you know, that's a very public thing you have to kind of go through also. And it relates you to your, your people a little bit differently. So, you know, I, but I kept going, I didn't really process it. I just kept going. And then, you know, my sister was 29 when she died of breast cancer. I got a divorce, moved to a new town, then everything shuts down. And so I never processed any of that stuff. I realized, you know, here I am 
you know, a clinician, a psychologist who talks about emotional wellness and, and building skills and building brain skills. And I just didn't realize I was just barreling through because life was just moving that quickly. And so that's what it did for me. It slowed me down. I had to process those things. And then I decided, you know, what do I want to get back? How do I want to make this transition? Because I know schools will eventually come back online and there'll be work for me, but do I really like this? And what pieces do I like? What do I want to do more of? And that's how I decided to write a book called Raising Brains. And it's a mindful meddling plan to raising happy, successful, connected kids, because that's what's important for, for your kid to feel happy, for you to feel happy, for you to feel successful and define that in whatever way you define that and whatever way your child defines that. And then for you to be connected um, to other people in the world. And so those are the things that became the most important to me. And I just started learning a lot about business, which is a whole new avenue for me. You know, I, we were talking about this before we came on, but you know, I didn't have to do any marketing, you know, people just came to me. You just did good work and people needed you. I had a great niche and they would come to me. And now I wanted to help people that, that weren't in my little box that was across the country internationally. And with that comes putting yourself out there in a very vulnerable way. And, you know, after losing my first son, I had started to learn how it's okay to be a little vulnerable, how, how doing that brings some people to you. And I think I just kind of extended that a lot, but every time I do it, there's always this kind of push pull, this um, finding the balance of what is fueling other people, what's helping other people, but also what fuels me and how do those two things align? And so everything I do, I try to make sure that I actually like it. And some of that, you know, sometimes you don't know, like I had to try 50 things before I figured out, uh, I know how to do that now, but I don't like it. Or I know how to do this, but I don't like it. And there's tons of people telling you how to do different things in different ways. And, you know, as practitioners went to school, we, you know, we studied, we did uh, clinical practices and stuff and we, we, we were trained. And so there's always this path for us, but as you shift to being that entrepreneur, there isn't that exact way to do it. You kind of have to figure it out. And so that's a very unique journey to go through, I think. Yeah. I, I remember one class on business. Uh, one. I don't even remember one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Point proven. Like we are not, yeah. we are doctors by trait. We are not mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. And so we're, it's like a whole new world for us. And so wherever yeah. you are as an entrepreneur, as a doctor, as a practitioner, just take the leap. And you never, people always ask me like, Hey, I want to start a podcast. What's your best advice? Get started. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. Because you learn as you go. That's as simple as it is. I was on my, my pod call yesterday when, and with my, my little group and my mask in the mastermind, right? And one of the girls on my pod was like, hey, let's, um, can you give me some tips on TikTok since, since you're killing it? And I said, well, listen, I know nothing about creating a video. All I know is that I can put my phone on my stand, hit record and talk for 30 seconds mm-hmm. and I post it Yeah, and it's going viral, but you don't have doors open unless you throw it out there and you allow things to come to you, but you have to put yourself out there first. And that's so hard because we talk about boundaries as clinicians. We talk about, you know, how you have to help people, but you still have to have that Uh, What do you disclose? What don't you disclose? You know, and I think in this world, as the pandemic happened, the world got smaller, people got more connected, got more intimate. And some of that is kind of getting thrown out the window and and to give people information and to help people is the goal. And we, I got to keep remembering that. And that's how, what the book is really focused on. You know, for me, it's about 
translating the neuroscience of the brain. I studied it for over 15 years and, you know, how do you actually do it though? How do you actually apply that? Cause there's a gap as always with, you know, research and practice and then research practice and real life. And, you know, we're so scared sometimes to, to cross that gap because, you know, we're nervous about that translation that we just don't try at all. And I think that doesn't help anybody. So we want to talk about the research the limitations of the research, but also, you know, what's been working clinically and then like what actually happens day to day, you know, as a parent, <laughs> it's hard, <laughs> it's not easy. And, you know, I yell, you yell, I'm sure everybody yells. And that doesn't make you a bad parent. And, and what do you do on those day-to-day um, when those conflicts come up and all of those things, you know, the science doesn't give you that exact answer. And so, you know, we need to be able to help each other by being vulnerable and being out there and giving information in the way you do on TikTok, the way I do try to do in my Instagram. And I think that that's what's going to help people the most. By the way, her Instagram is Dr. Sarah Allen, D-R-S-A-R-A-H-A-L-L-E-N. Go follow her. And Sarah, the floor is yours. Teach us what we can do to help our kids be more successful by using their brain. Yeah, I think the biggest tip from the brain science that you can take, I like to personify parts of the brain. And if you heard me before, you've probably heard this, but uh, it's my favorite way of doing it. So we have part of our brain, our emotion center of our brain called the amygdala. I call her Amy G because she's just so emotional. And if any Amy of you G, have, I like that. Oh amygdala. Actually, you probably know this for your younger kids also, but if you have an 11 or 12 year old girl, like that's how I picture Amy G because she is just eye rolly, like totally emotional flips at at everything, right? No regulation whatsoever. And then you have the frontal lobe and I like to call her Franny and Franny can be, you know, people have called Franny the CEO. I kind of see Franny as more like the one who's actually running the show. Like in schools, it's like the secretary of the school because the principal thinks they're running the show, but the secretary is actually the one that knows what's going on and making sure everything's running smoothly. You can tell if that secretary's out for the day because things don't go as smoothly. So Amy G and Franny work together. When Amy G freaks out, Franny has to come over top and try to regulate that emotion. And that happens with us. That happens with our kids. And you can see it in young kids because Franny isn't very well developed. So, you know, you have a four-year-old, right? So when, you know, they go to, they want juice and they don't get the juice, then they're freaking out and they're flipping out on the floor. And sometimes it's predictable and sometimes it's not, that's all Amy G. And we're trying to help figure out how to develop that frontal lobe so that they can say, no, mommy, I didn't want juice. You know, I wanted milk instead of falling on the floor and yelling. Right. (laughs) Um, But this works for us too. You know, our Amy G's take over all the time and especially when it's your own kids, you know, so you have to find a way to help your Franny be able to regulate your Amy G or you can't think logically and, you know, develop a plan and problem solve and all those things. And so I think understanding that balance between Amy G and Franny is really what's going to be most successful. And when you do that, you start to look at your kids a little differently. And I mentioned this to you before we came on, but I like to see all kids like little brains. I want to think about the ways their brains are connecting and how to get them to grow skills. So we're not just talking about managing behavior, but every approach I take with my kids, I'm trying to grow their skills and shape their brain. And when you start to do that, you become this brain detective and your, your Amy G stays a little bit calmer because you're actually trying to use Franny a little bit more and figure out what this little brain needs. What can I teach this little brain? When you ask yourself those two questions, it becomes not a slight to you. Their behavior is not happening to you. Instead, it's happening. It's a way that they speak. I always say kids speak with their behavior. So they're trying to tell you something. 
what do they need at that moment? And when you go into that, you can keep your Amy G calmer. So that helps you as an adult, but it also helps to recognize that it's happening in your kids. I wish you would have taught my neuro class. It might've made more sense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I recorded a podcast yesterday and I joked about how if there was ever a test question about the eyes, I just guessed and moved on. Same thing with the brain. Like I passed that neuro class. That's good enough for me. Uh-huh. Well, and that's like, to me, the brain is so, so, so fascinating. You know, the, the, all our whole reality is just perception. You know, it's just electrical and chemical impulses. And, you know, what we could say one thing and you would hear it differently than I would, because we base everything off of what we already have learned. And I think that's another parenting tip. You know, you are a product of the way you grew up. You can't escape that. That's just the way it is. And as you have kids, you notice some of those biases. For me, some of the good ones were more like, wow, I realized that I had some more, some more, I'm I'm Jewish, but I'm not religious. So I have some culture here. Like, oh, I realized like food is love. You know, I I realized, oh, wait, not everybody feels that way. That is something I grew up with. That's kind of the way that we show, you know, love in our family. And then there's some of the bad ones where you're like, I don't think I was ever taught how to, you know, calmly be able to work uh, myself through this or teach my kids something that just wasn't my, the style in my home. Or maybe you're a type of mom whose things were swept under the rug and you didn't really talk about any emotions. And so you don't know one, how you're feeling to, you know, how, how to find that feeling and what the thought is, and then how to teach emotional intelligence in your kids. But the good thing is if you take the time to go back and figure out what was your parenting style that you grew up with and do you like that parenting style? Do you want to change that parenting style? You know, what are the biases that you might have? Like some people have, you know, you need to make lots of money. You know, that may have come from a a parenting bias or something, something you grew up with. You might want to decide to keep that or you might decide, you know what, I think I want to shift and focus more on, you know, happiness in an emotional level before a monetary level, but these are all decisions you have to make. And you can't make those decisions without insight into where you came from. That that is so true. And especially as you get into the entrepreneur world, Mm -hmm. I remember the first time somebody told me I had money issues, like, no, I don't. I don't have money issues. Right. When, and when technically it's not a money issue, it's a value issue. Mm -hmm. Are you valuing yourself enough? Right. Yeah. And I love the, you mentioned the entrepreneurial world. And I think that that has been such a neat world to be a part of because, you know, from, as a psychologist, we talk about bias, we go and we really get insightful. And I think most people in the world aren't really like that until you kind of become an entrepreneur and you have to do all this mindset work. We do a lot of mindset work in the, in the social connector group also. And so you, when you start to do that and you hit your upper limits and you have to work on getting past these thoughts and these feelings, you're doing a lot of work on yourself. You're becoming more insightful and more self-aware. Now, if you think about that process for yourself, what would happen if you started that process when your kids were four, if your kids by the age of four had the skills to start building self-awareness to the point where they were, they were just good at recognizing what's happening with themselves, why they're thinking or feeling those ways, what biases they might've had, what they have to work through. That's when we get to feeling successful and happy and connected. You know, it's those things that start that being good at that process, the insight, because the insights required for change. That's why we do so much mindset work as entrepreneurs. How do we do that with our kids? Love this question. So I would start with a simple glow and grow chart. This is my favorite one. You want to have a growth glow mindset. and grow chart. Glow and grow chart. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> She's taking notes. You know, I'm going to start. I'm taking notes. Glow. Cause good. I got that's a four-year-old so I can start good. this. 
Yes. And, and actually you can start this even as young. I mean, you have 18 months old, right? So you can start this even with the younger kids, just having these conversations about what are you good at, you know, or just even modeling for the really young kids. Like you're very good at helping today. You know, you're a good helper. Thank you for bringing that to me. And it starts to kind of give them some words for who they are. Uh, I just had a client the other day, um, a 10 year old who I said, who are you? And he said, he just told me his name. And I said, yeah, but who are you? Like, if you were to Google your name, how would you be written? And it was like, you know, I don't know I said, are you a good friend? Are you not? So some of it is giving the words, giving some ideas right in the beginning, but a glow and grow chart as kids get older. And again, kids like two can even have this conversation with you can start kind of drawing these things out and kids love to draw this out. But the glow is where are you rocking things? Where are you doing awesome right now? And then the grow is what are you want to work on? And the key, the trick to this is do it for yourself first. Show your kids how to do it because they're going to need a model. They're not going to be good at it. And you might not be good at it. And each time you have a little kind of you stall, remember that because that's where your kids are going to stall as well. And when you go to do this and you can't do it, you'll be really surprised, right? You'll be like, oh my God, this was simple glow and grow. How come I can't list anything in the glow? Or maybe you're the type of person that can't list anything in the grow. Whatever side, we have two, we always have different kinds of personalities. Step back a second and think, all right, what do I value? Who am I? If I had a superpower, you know, what would it be? What would my friends say about me? It's a good one to use for your kids to always say, well, what would your teacher say about you? Or what would your friends say about you? That sometimes helps a little bit, but start to fill out that chart. When you have that chart filled out, you're going to have a couple goals for yourself and your kids are going to have a couple goals for them. And you're going to start helping each other reach those goals. So instead of it being mommy's up here and kids are down here, you're on this level playing field of being a team and working together and helping each other meet goals. And that's what we talk about. We talk about growth mindset, because now your whole family system is shook up in a way that's like, wait a minute, we all help each other grow. It's not like we're there. We all help each other grow. And as you go through those Goals will shift and change and you'll continue to help each other and you'll celebrate when you have the wins and you move one over um, and you'll, it won't be such a big uh, bottom when you haven't quite met it yet because you're all working together to do it. Do you talk about this in your book? I do. I talk about this in my Raising Brains book and a lot of other things. And there's some free downloads also on my website to help you get started with these kinds of things. And then if you're you know, interested in doing this more, and if you're an entrepreneur, you're probably used to having products and courses. You know, I finally developed a course for moms to go through this process, all of these things that we've kind of actually talked about today to be able to gain that insight, to make this big shift in yourself. Because you know, we want to, sometimes I find as moms, especially as entrepreneurs, business women, we're moving so quickly. Sometimes we make this decision, like we want to put our child in therapy, but I can't tell you how many, and therapy is great. I would definitely recommend it, but it's not the end all be all. And parents will come to me and say, we've been in therapy and things just aren't shifting. Well, you have to make that shift as a parent. You have to figure out who you are, what you want to do, start to model these things. So you have now a constant therapy, a daily therapy that you're providing for your kids. And if you're going to therapy also, that will complement it. So it's about the change in you. You have the power to help your kids' brains grow and help them learn how to connect with the rest of the world. It can't be left to anybody else. I love that because as moms, we always put ourselves last. Mm-hmm. And what you're just saying is that if we want our kids to have healthier brains, we have to be the model. 
Yep. Which means we have to put ourselves first Mm -hmm. to model it for the kids. And that is a big mindset shift that a lot of us listeners hopefully are going to make after listening to this. Um, We're not doing, putting ourselves last is not doing our kids any favors. And, you know, maybe it isn't just about, cause I think as moms is like first putting your first, of course, your children are going to come first, but you need to be on that list with them. And I think that's the whole model you're trying to create. I mean, imagine you see your kid and they said, well, do Should I give everything up for this other person? You would tell them, no, that's crazy. You don't, you don't give up yourself, but we do it and we're modeling it. So we're actually teaching them to give up things that they want and enjoy for other people. You know, I just had an article in Forbes about raising ambitious kids. It's you okay. read an article whoever, in Forbes. Yes. Whoever you are and whatever you value, you can still, you can be that. If you're an ambitious mom, be that ambition mom. Don't apologize for it. Get in there and teach your kids about ambition and ha- let them help you say, listen, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I have to make three reels today. Do you want to help me? You know, or can you do an extra chore this week? Because there's a ton of stuff happening. You know, we're really stressed right now. Can you pick up the slack over here so that I can be a little less stressed so that I can be that happy self that I want to be? And Hey, when you have that extra test at school, I'm going to pick up and I'm going to make your breakfast for you today. And I'm going to kind of build some extra pieces in so I can support you because now we're all moving together instead of again, first or last, right? We're all working together. And I think, like you said, that's a mindset shift in itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And I love putting ourselves on the same platform. We're on the even playing field. It's not us versus them and them versus us. It's we're all a family unit and we're all working on this together and the kids can help us grow just like we can help them grow. Right. And you're teaching them how to do that in relationships too. You know, when they, you know, if they want to get married or have another relationship, you want them to be, to keep themselves on even playing fields. Cause that's when these relationships get a little wonky is when you either lose yourself or you are up, up too far above somebody else. And so you really, you're mo- just think about that. You're modeling that behavior. So when you say to your kids, I understand that you want to have a 17th sleepover for the month, but what about me? I also need some things and I'm going to need to get some sleep tonight because I have a really big event tomorrow. So as much as I want you to have a sleepover, we've had a bunch of them and maybe we can have one next weekend, but this weekend, I need you to help me be able to relax and get some sleep for this big event. And then the next time it'll be your turn. And so you're teaching them how to balance what their needs are versus somebody else's needs too. Okay. I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. I had this conversation with my four-year-old last night and this morning. He does not want mama to come to work today. Mm -hmm. And I had to sit down and said, buddy, sometimes mommy doesn't want to go to work either, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to work this one more day. And will you help me by going to the babysitters? So that way together we can get what we need to have done. So tomorrow we're going to Disneyland. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, this last day I can push through, but I had to have a conversation with him. That's like, buddy, sometimes we have to do things that we don't want to do, but it's going to help us improve. And then when we push through it, both you and I, we get to have a long, long break and we're going to have a lot of fun in the next two and a half weeks. And it's a long time before you got to go back to the babysitters, but I need you to help me today. Yeah. He says, okay, mom. I love that. And maybe you have a couple of that conversation with like, what's important to you? What do you like? What do you want to do? 
you know, and here's what I like and I want to do. And, you know, sometimes we have to work to make money to find the things we like, or maybe you do like what you do. And you can say, as much as I don't like being away from you, I do like what I do and I get to help people. And so I like to do two things, you know, be with you and help people. And so I have to balance those. And so sometimes I'm going to go to work and then sometimes I'm going to get to spend with you and look how I just balance these priorities in my life. Cause I can have two feelings at one time, like we talked about earlier. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So rehashing the glow and grow chart, Uh the grow part is what do you want to work on? Mm -hmm. Start with ourselves, our own chart first. The glow part is highlighting what we're good at. Mm -hmm. And like you said, with my four-year-old, you just reinforce, Hey buddy, thank you for helping me with this today. You're so good at it. Yeah. And just start to like, I call it throwing, especially if you have a, sometimes this works even better. If you have an older kid, like 11, 12 year old girl, for example, if anyone had that, like I do, uh, you have to like throw spaghetti at the wall. I call it sometimes. So sometimes like if kids aren't good at expressing who they are, what or finding these emotions or thoughts, you just kind of start like saying things, you know, that is it possible you feel like this or is it possible you think this, or do you, how is it with friends and how do you know you like those friends and just kind of saying things until something catches and listen, your first glow and grow chart could be like, I'm a good friend and I am, you know, I want to be a better friend. Like they're not actually goals. They don't actually tell you what skills you're building. They're bigger thoughts, but that's okay. Start with that and then have the conversation. What makes a good friend? How could you do that? What would that look like? You know, well, I'm a good friend because I make compromises with my friends. I do some things they like and some things I like. Okay. So you, so that's a a place you glow. Where do you want to grow? Well, I want to grow. Maybe I want to do a little bit more of the things they like, because sometimes I do too much of the things that I like, or I want to listen to my friends more. And you start to get in there because it takes practice. So you're not going to be perfect the first time. Um, You're going to want to keep trying and keep practicing. And the other tip I would give about glow and grow charts is some people love to write them down, to draw them all up, to have the whiteboard, to sketch it out. And some people are just moving too quick or just don't like that. A conversation about it, kind of like a quarterly conversation can be just as good as having it written down. The idea is that everyone kind of has a sense of, you know, if I were to say to your family team, what is mom working on? What are you working on? What is so-and-so work that they would be able to say, these are the things we're working on. Okay. Yeah. Cause the, the likelihood of me sitting down right. and writing all this out is not realistic. Me neither. But, I don't write it at all. I do the talks. <laughs> yeah. But you can have these conversations like at bedtime, it would be a big one for my family. My little boy, he, I still have to put him to bed tonight, lay down mm-hmm. with him until he falls asleep. And he will just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk until I'm like, okay, buddy, it's like 1030. We've been sitting here for an hour and a half now. Let's go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Those will be the times where we have these type of conversations where we go a little bit deeper into our, the conversations we have now as they're little, what that transforms into when they're teenagers. And that's what I was going to say. Bedtime is great. And it's a time that my kids use also, but I've also noticed as you get older and you're driving from one thing to the next, that those times where you get your kids by yourself or one kid by themselves, that can sometimes be the sweet spot too. So don't, don't discount the times of the schlep, what we call the schlep, like driving from one place to another, that 20 minutes or 30 minutes that you can just, you know, just take some time to put the phones down and to talk about those things. And And remember too, you know, I think as, as professionals, we juggle a lot and we do a lot of multitasking, but we do it a lot in our heads. When it comes to brain development, the best thing you can do for your kids is start to talk those processes out loud 
Because like you said, you tell your kids something, they'll remember it. That's what happens. They start to mimic those thoughts and those feelings and the way that you speak. And even, you know, you'll hear it even in your teenagers. Sometimes you'll hear things that you said back, hopefully the good things that you said back as your teenagers, you hear that even in the younger kids ages. So remember, like when you're trying to juggle something or plan something or get better at something, say it out loud, like tell your kids about your day and tell them what happened. And I had this meeting and I thought I did well here, but, you know, I'd really like to try to grow this. And I'm really excited about this piece, but I was trying to figure out how do I fit this piece in my schedule with all these other things that I have going on. I don't want to let it go, but I also know that I don't want to be overwhelmed. And all of that kind of a conversation that typically goes on in your head, if you can pick and choose times to to let it out and to talk it out, you'll benefit your kids a significant amount. That's what's going to build those brain pathways. I never thought about that because it's always literally just in my head. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And you, and I think that until you start like now, everyone listening is probably going to turn the podcast off when it's over and realize that the rest of the day, they did a lot in their head. And so just start saying some of that out loud and taking the time to engage your kids in the conversation. There's lots of other tips in my book about this, these kinds of things. And some, some of them are just these little subtle changes that you can make that have a huge impact on your kids' brain growth that you can practically do, because that's what I'm all about. It's kind of how do I practically do this? Because I don't want anything that's such a big intervention that I have to shift up my entire world. I want it to work in your family system. Yeah. All right, guys, go get Dr. Sarah Allen's book called Raising Brains. Follow her on Instagram and check out the website at Brain Behavior Bridge, B-R-A-I-N-B-E-H-A-V-I-O-R Bridge, B-R-I-D-G-E.com. Thanks, Sarah. Feel empowered, loved this episode? Help others find it by leaving a review. It's the best compliment I can receive. Then take your learning one step farther and discover what your normal labs really tell you by downloading the free cheat guide and register for the next three-day live challenge. Do it all at drkylieburton.com. Remember, there's a cheat guide and a three-day live challenge for those of you with medical background too. Take your practice beyond the diagnosis with your free downloads and challenge at drkylieburton.com. This podcast is sponsored by Systemic Formulas, Nutribiome, and Terra Consulting, Inc. Systemic Formulas is the supplement company I trust with my patients and family. Everybody can join them on Instagram at Systemic Formulas Institute. Practitioners jump inside their Facebook group. It's called Systemic Formulas Clinical Nutrition. Once inside the group, search my name and you'll discover videos on labs, supplements, and business tools. It's all free. See you on the inside. Are you a practitioner ready to up-level your online presence? Tara is your girl. She is a brilliant mind behind my entire platform, my practice, and the BTD Mastermind. From writing the copy to building the technical back end of my website to marketing strategy, I highly recommend you let her take your dream and make it a reality, just as she did for me. Get started here at TaraConsultingInc.com. That's T-E-R-R-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G-I-N-C.com. Be back next week.